Welcome back to another episode of the Real Spill Podcast. It's been a minute. We had to make some corrections, some things we want to add to. But today we have another packed house. It is really packed. We have Donald Watts, of course. Watts, man, go ahead and speak on the mic. What's up, man? man? I'm in the building. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we got one of the guys who I look, have looked up to uh, my whole life. Uh, I aspire one day to do some of the things that uh, he's done around the game of basketball. So I'm excited to pick his brain, to, to, to challenge him on some things, and, and, and have a good time in the show today. Likewise, and challenging the brain. That person we are talking about is Trent Johnson. Coach Trent Johnson, I'll say that because that's when I first got a chance to meet him as a eighth grader coming up, trying to play the game of basketball at a high level. Got a chance to go down to Stanford basketball camp where he coached from, <laughs> what, 2004, 08, but you also started there in 1996 to 99. So Coach Trent Johnson is in the building. He's coached, like I just named two universities. I can go on and on. Wrote most recently from 2012 to 2016 at TCU, Coach Trent. Speak on the mic, man. How are you? Well, I'm doing good, but I would like to correct Donald Brain. He's not picking my brain because as long as I've been involved in this sport, good players make good coaches. Great players make great coaches, and I've been fortunate to be around some, and I wish I would have been fortunate enough to have him. So I didn't like competing against him, and it's it's just nice to be around in his presence, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to just being a part of this evening. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for coming hey, in, Coach. We appreciate it. Go ahead, hey, D. I appreciate the, the compliments. I just remember being in Stanford and getting picked on. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, I, you learn so much from playing that Stanford team. Uh, first of all, fighting through screen. I mean, it was, it's what real college basketball physical. was about. Physical, ball movement, player movement. I remember being a young player out on the wing. And uh, my guy caught, and then it came off a ball screen, whatever my guy scored. And the coach Bender stood up. He's like, deny the ball, deny the ball. <laughs> oh, and I think Brevin Knight walked it over to the side. Coach said, oh, boy. He said, something. I don't even remember what they said. But then I tried to deny the ball, backdoor cut. Mm. Next play, got scored on again. They got me taken out of the game. Well, <laughs> well you brought up you brought up a special one in Brevin. All you guys are special, so oh, that was, that's a good one. But you learn you learn those lessons. I was a freshman, and uh, we were at uh, we were at Stanford, and that was a freshman day for me. And and <laughs> you know when you talk about one and done, we're gonna get into some of that stuff. But those are those moments that you really learn about the game that you take with you into the off season and that you try not to let happen to you again. Uh, and, 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 and how you learn, you know, to play at a high level and learn to play for a long time is from making those mistakes, from living through those mistakes and correcting those mistakes. And like I said, we had some battles, uh, Washington and Stanford, that I will remember for the rest of my life. And I grew a lot of not only as a person but as a player. Uh, so, like I said, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I've been, I've been, we've been uh, friendly. We've, you know, been in touch. Uh, and I've been watching his career for a long time, so I'm ready. I'm excited for our audience yes. to uh, to get to some of this. Yes, this thank, is going to be. Thank you very much. Hey, no worries, Coach. Is it okay if I call you Coach? I know. Well, come on now. You can call me whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one Coach. Thing, one thing about Coach or Trent, Donald knows. I mean, I'm about as, this is the real deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Real spill, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm about as real as it gets, so yes. let's get after it. And yes, you know sir. what? Let's get into it, as a matter of fact. But before we do that, Got to give a shout-out to that. We call it the sponsor, right, D? The sponsor. The sponsor, yes. That's Watts Basketball. Game Changers for Life. I need you to go to WattsBasketball.com right now. This is Game Changers for Life, okay? We've revamped the page a little bit so it's easy access. 
please go in there, sign up for some camps, mailing lists, you name it. Go in there. It's Game Changers for Life. You have an opportunity to build a lifetime around basketball and life itself. So go to watchbasketball.com, sign up today, and let's get it going, all right? But, hey, social media, right? We're talking about watchbasketball.com. Watch got a Twitter, all those things. Coach Trent, you got a Twitter? I do not. You got a Facebook? Uh, I do not. Yeah, LinkedIn? I do not. Are you on social media, Coach? I am not. Oh, wow. All when, right. When you were coaching, did you have uh, profiles? Did you, did you, was it something that you had to get into as a part of your coaching responsibility? Well, you know, Don, that's a good question. And it was. And here's, here's my uh, feedback and thoughts on it, whether it be Twitter, whether it be social media, Facebook. I used to always tell my guys, hey, you got to be careful what you put out there and how you present yourself. You know what? And my first year, for example, at LSU, my Twitter account, I had a ton of followers. And I used to always tell them, I said, I don't need to tweet. I says, I got a ton of followers because you guys are good. We're good. You're handling your business. So people follow you. And then my, my following two years, we weren't very good. My Twitter, my following was not very good. But for me, obviously the times change and that's the way of the world. But I think and again, Donald, you know this as well as anybody. I think with all this stuff, kids put themselves, players put themselves, people put themselves in where there's almost like they're self-promoting themselves and they haven't earned the right. Right now, we're anointing kids. We're anointing players in year one, year two. And we're losing sight of, you know, the players that came before them and how hard they had to work over the years, like your father, who I happen to know when I was coming in high school. So I think you, we have to be careful with the social media, the Twitter, uh, and young people in terms of, you know what, because once you put it out there, you know what, now you have to live up to it. And is that who you really are? See, I think a lot of what's going on now, and I don't mean to ramble, but this is a discussion that I feel strongly about. I think a lot of what's going on now is, you know, the codes of silence in sports and in locker rooms. Usually when something will go in the locker room, we stay in the locker room. You know right, and yeah. Now that stuff gets out. You know, yeah. guys got to tweet, you know, and, and our, we got our great players in the game right now tweeting their business or putting their business on uh, social media and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I think the intimacy and, and the privacy of our game or the games or sports is long gone. And I think we have to understand who is it really impacting and who is it really affecting. Well, a 15-year-old or 16-year-old tweeting about how good he is and his business about where he's going, oh, my goodness, he hasn't even proven himself. Right. Who know? cares, right? And and and, and then this is something that again and then I I look at it like this. Think about where we're at as a country right now. And I'm not a politician, I don't get caught into putting all that. I think I told me and Donald were talking earlier, everything I've ever done has been based off of facts, not opinions. Result, not suggestions. But think about the leadership in in our country right now to where we have, quote unquote, the president of the United States who has to respond to people on Twitter. So now we got young people. Right. So we, we, we've got some things that we need to really, really, really take a strong look at and get our kids to understand if you are good at what you do, if you're good at what you, somebody's going to follow you. Right. Somebody's going to follow you. Right. You know. And so, and I want to kind of back no, up no, a little ahead. bit. Um, what, what you're talking about is the developmental process. Oh, my Right, God. for young people. And for me, um, I run a business. Uh, I definitely see advantages of social media mm-hmm. for for the you know the NBA athlete. 
they get to control their own message. Mm-hmm. Um, it can backfire mm-hmm. when, when you know, I, I, I like him to say, like the court of public opinion. You have a guy like Colin Kaepernick who took a, sta- took a stand mm-hmm. for some injustices in this country, but because uh, owners can check the temperature of their fan base, uh, they're worried about giving him a job. Now, they can say that he's not worthy of being a quarterback, but he threw 16 touchdowns to four interceptions on a very bad team last year. And I can't really justify – I don't think you can find people who can really honestly say that he's not as good as 70% of the quarterbacks that are in the league, not quality enough to be a backup or anything like that. But so that 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 Twitter you know, self-promotion can end up backfiring – on you and it's out of your control. Uh, but I think one of the things I want you to re- reiterate on is that growth process for young people, um, the recruiting process, are there ways where it's valuable um, or do you see it just as, as something that, that, you know, what you said, which, which stems, it, it slows growth, well, right? Like it's ca- like caffeine, right? It's, it's, it becomes an addiction to attention. Well, and, and part of the problem is, and I'm not, giving you compliments that I don't give them to. You know me, I don't do that. But part of the problem is we don't have enough people involved to make a stand with your beliefs and, and your background and your experience. And so what I'm saying is, to answer your question is, the development, the educational process, the people who are in those positions, they have to be honorable. They have to have the kids in the best interest. But more importantly, the kids, the players, they have to educate themselves off of facts. A great example. Uh, I was raised, mom, and the one thing that's always resonated with me when, when I, as, as much success and as much as I've been blessed, whatever you want to call it, my role model was my mother, and the things that she said to me said like this: the only thing that's going to separate you from anybody else is not your gender, not your race, is your ability to get an education and be able to do a good, honest, hard day's work and treat people with respect and understand the faith, and that is so much. When you look at the, the education stance, so what are we talking about? Well, you know yourself. Guys who are coming out of high school, they have the ability. I don't care what their background is, what their nationality is. They got an opportunity because they can play or do something. You know, so you're in high school. So now you have a responsibility once you get to read and learn. Not get caught up in, well, coach says I'm this and I'm that. And now try to take the easy way out because – Ultimately, sooner or later, and Donald, you play, you see a lot of guys fall by the wayside because of their lack of knowledge. So that's a developmental process which starts in the ninth and the tenth grade. Mm-hmm. And I used to always say this, and then no, then, I, then I shut up. I always tell my guys when I was in college, when they first get to campus and during the recruitment process, I say, look, now, I, I, can't, I can't make you an immediate pro. I can't give you a graduation. I can expose you to to those opportunities, but you're the one that's got to drink it. You're the one that's got to take it and fly with it. And I always tell them, when you walk out this door, I don't want you to get out in the real world and feel like you haven't been exposed or haven't been shared thoughts on what this is about. But during the course of that, your compliance person in the athletic department, your tutorial person in the athletic department, yeah, they're going to help you, but it's your responsibility to, to, to do the work and to learn to where you don't need them. Too many times you see guys, as you know in sports, where they latch on and, and they rely on somebody. Right. Their junior and their senior year. You you weren't one of those guys, but you've seen a lot of them. Right. You know, you know, right. You know, but still, that's a developmental process. But it starts from the people, in my opinion, based off of facts, who are in positions of leadership, whether you're a coach, whether you're a teacher, to make a strong stand. 
and the education. Your social media and Twitter is fine, but tweet the truth. Right. You know, mm. you know, sell the truth. You know, we use this word platform. Well, you know, guys like you, I love your platform. That's why I'm here. You know, you know, I wouldn't even be here on the radio if it wasn't with a guy like you. And right. I honored you guys to even think of an old bugger like me coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that platform, don't abuse it. Right. Don't abuse it. And uh, so, so one of the things in my household, my son's back here uh, with us, and, and one of my students uh, and, and, and uh, counselors is, and I look at it like this, it, it, it can, we, we talk about not just social media, but everything, is it a tool or a toy, right? And a lot of young people use it as a toy, but like a tool, right? Like they, 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 they think that they're advancing their basketball career by the things that they're putting on there, but the stuff that they're putting on there is really, and the things that they watch and they consume is really a joke at the end of the day. And I think one of the things that I see on social media and culture, Chris, uh, you guys can help me with this, and, and my rule for my family and the thing, it's important for me that my children develop their personalities, their work ethic, um, their values, before they consume what's available for them on social media, on, on, on the internet, on the land. And a lot of what I see from players is they look at the, the and we were talking about this today, they look at the cover, they look at the back, and they think they have the facts. And what I mean by that, you take like, we were talking about Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours to master something. Well, they look at the cover of that book and they say, okay, 10,000 hours to master it. <laughs> and then they read the back of it and they say, okay, 10,000, and then they go to work and they start punching the clock. Oh, I got this many hours, I got this many hours, I got this many hours. But when you open the book, you realize that those hours have to be with purpose, that if you're worried about the time, the hours don't count. If you're, you know, it's 10,000 hours immersed with pers purposeful development in acquiring skills and stuff like that. And these guys, you take a guy like Jamal Crawford uh, from this area who is one of the best ever at ball, just ball handling, handling the ball and reacting and all that stuff. And he just is constantly in the gym playing with it not Whoa. counting the hours not punching a clock you know you say you said yourself you've been involved in the game you're in retirement now uh i think you'll get back into it it'll start itching you but since you were in seventh grade you've been a part of the game it's a part of you and i don't think along that process and the same thing for me at no time have i looked at all the hours and had an expectation based on the hours i just love what i do and then opportunities come about as a result of it and, and in essence, I agree with you in what you said in, in layman's terms for me is social media, Twitter, all your developmental skills, that's all done at a high level when nobody's watching. Right. When nobody's watching. Doing that, things it, nobody would be interested it, in watching. Because it, when you have to, and that's eagle driven, I don't care who it is and how great they are, when you have to promote or tweet what you're doing, that's all about you. But what a lot of our young people don't, since we're talking about basketball, what they don't see, and you can talk about all the greats, and I can, I can, I can give you stories on some of the experiences and I've been fortunate to be around. Well, share with us a little bit well, about LeBron. Well, 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 and his well, work ethic. Well, for example, yeah, LeBron. Well, I was at LSU, and that's when Cleveland had traded for Shaq. Mike Brown, who's the head coach at Cleveland Cavaliers at that time, 
Uh, I tried to recruit. He made the right decision. He didn't come as an, he didn't come when I was an assistant at University of Washington. He went to San Diego and played for Hank Egan, and Hank Egan was connected to Popovich. So Mike's doing well right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I go up and watch him for a well. week. I would go up and watch him for a week, and and at Cleveland's going twice a day, and they go from ten to twelve, and then they come back and they go from two to three. Well, uh, I get it at eight o'clock, and me or go in there and sit down. And I want to meet with Mike and don't talk basketball. Well, LeBron's in the gym, shirt off with his guys or his boys, whatever guys call it, just shooting. Then they practice from 10 to 12. And then in the NBA at noon, they have a spread so the guys don't have to leave. So they have lunch, and, you know, some guys leave. And then they come back and they go from two to four, second practice. Well, then I go afterward, and then LeBron's still in the gym. So at 8.30 after visiting Mike, I'm leaving, and he's still there. So I asked Mike, because, again, Donald, we had this conversation. You right. know, I am, I'm always – just curious. He says, you liked it all the time. Five days a week he was like that. But he loves it. He loves it. That's just what he does. So the kids don't see that. They see the finished product. But the one, that's in my, and then in my third year, this is as relates to Kevin, because uh, Kevin came out of high school the same year that Brooke and Robin Lopez, mm-hmm. yep. who I had at Stanford, yep. so I was around him. So I'm at LSU. Kevin has one of his guys, quote, unquote, call me because he wants to use me the gym at LSU because he was shooting that movie in New Orleans. And so I go, yeah, tell Kevin, what time does you want to go? And then Kevin calls me. He goes, and by Kevin, you're talking about Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes, he goes, well, Coach, what time do you guys have individuals? I said, man, we'll change that around you. You know, individuals, you can go twice per week. Right. We were, at right. that time, we're going out. <laughs> right. So I said, whatever. So he says, well, I want to I want to come in in the morning. I want to come in in the afternoon. And I want to, you know, if I can, I want to play with your guys. I'm like, really? So from 8 to 10, he's in there. He's doing his work. All right. Then, like about 10, 30, 11, he's got to head to New Orleans. I'm from Baton Rouge, and New Orleans is about an hour drive. And you know how the movie shoots are. Right, right. So he gets back at like at 1 30, and then, you know, where he goes from 2 to 4. My guys come in and play at 5, and he plays at 5. That was like for 10 days. So, again, me at that time, I had Ralston Turner, Johnny O'Brien. Mm-hmm. So, typical coach, me, I was like, hey, Ralston. Ralston Turner, who left and went to North Carolina, says, uh, What'd you do today? I had class and had to lift and play. Hmm. I said, did you know what KD did today? You know what he did for four days? I said, I told him, I said, but you want to be like him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be like him. But see, kids don't see that. They, 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 uh, and it's a rare few. And, you you know, obviously, Donald, again, you, you've been around it and you've been blessed because of your dad, but also because of more importantly, I told your son this, if you were coming out when your dad is, and I hope he's listening, <laughs> you would have been just retiring. I won't get it. <laughs> but, you heard that, Pops. Yeah, but but my point is, you know, all that stuff is not on Twitter. It wasn't on social media. Well, them guys are really grinding. Right. You might see a clip on YouTube, but so – that's 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 the thing, but you know what? Again, and I know I'm rambling here a little bit, but also I think our kids need to be careful because because we all know when you look when you start talking about Katie and, and LeBron and certain and Kobe and these guys, one of the things that I've always struggled with, they don't they whoever it may be, you don't talk about how intelligent they are, right? Like Kobe spoke two languages, and you know I remember Kobe out of high school, he was with ABCD. And I was sitting, at that time I was an assistant with, with Stanford. And Mike Montgomery was the head coach, and they were all sitting together. It was Roy and Beheim. And, and then, you know, I was one of my third years on the road, and I never took a program. So I'm over there, and I'm like, oh, this kid over here, he's really, really good, coach. 
And then Bayheim goes, oh, Jesus, Mike, your assistant coach is really good. He can really pick them. That's Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but my point is they stand out. Right. You know, uh, right. So, but, you know, again, I just think in general, and I know we'll, we'll get back. What advice that. would you have for a parent uh, trying, trying to advise their kids on what, what not to do or even parental controls? A parent of a young student athlete that wants to be a college basketball player. That's a, you know what? That's a great question. I'm glad you've asked it. Number one is the education because there's no secret to it. If they do the history, the good players are smart people. Or, or, you know, there's a rare few stand up, but so his, you know, his his ability or her ability to take care of school first, and the second thing is, and I always use this competitive fun, not recess, having fun, but being really, really competitive. We all we throw those words around loosely about working hard, being competitive, and then the environment that they put them in. They need to do research on the individual. I don't care if it's a club coach, an AAU coach, a high school coach. They need to do research and sit down and spend too many times, I think, parents say, well, just because he or she played. I mean, your situation is, is unique because you care, and it's proven. Uh, I, so, I, so I think too many times. And then, like I said, how bad does that individual, that kid, want to be involved? I think when you look at kids transferring high schools, that's, that's the norm, you know, and we'll get into that, transferring colleges, but – Make no mistake about it. The guys who make decisions that are college coaches, whether this is a female or, or, or male, they look into that. Mm-hmm. That's a red flag. And then here's here's the thing I used to always share with my kids. The norm, the norm now, and tell me what you think of this, Donald, because I'm good and I don't want to get off track and we're on air, but the norm is to have a tattoo or wear your hair a certain way. All that stuff, quote, unquote, the old school guys maybe like me and your dad didn't like. Right. So I always tell guys, well, you want to really stand out. Well, Clean cut. Clean cut. Be, 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 you gonna stand out now? And here's here's a great example. Here's a great example. Oh, shit. No, no, here's a great. No, here's a great example. Right. Uh, so I'm recruiting Brooklyn Roberts, and and it's it's bad. Right. right. That's why I had to hit myself. Right. Man, he got no tattoo. Got his hair combed. Damn. So then you fast forward after the second year, I got people in the NBA calling me. Now, Coach Trent, what the now Brooklyn them the tell me about their background. I mean, these guys are a little different. <laughs> I said, I told him, I told a couple of NBA guys, I wish the guys were on it. I said, yeah, they're a little different because they ain't got no tattoos. They spent two years at Stanford, and they both like cartoon characters. You know that drill now. Right, you know right, that. Right. But, but my point is, when you start thinking about it, well, kids want to stand out or reverse the norm. You know what? But I'm all about, and, I, and I've grown over the years, I'm all about kids being able to express themselves and have the freedom to express themselves with some knowledge. I always... You know, and when you say knowledge, you, knowledge of the impact that it's going to have. The impact. And of he, the goals and the things that you want to accomplish, exactly. right? Exactly. And here's my thing. My thing has always been this. You've heard this before. You might have been one of the guys said it, but I can't believe you. I'm grown. You know how Right, I, you, right, right. You know what I always tell them? Oh, you're grown when you pay your own bills. Right. And they say, right now, you're in college, and your mom and dad. And I says, and I always tell them, I, usually, I always used to use Allen Iverson, the before and after. Right. When guys talking about, well, hey, I got this. I say, Google him when he, when he was got, in college. When he, up, when he showed up at Georgetown. <laughs> Google him when he was playing in college. Yeah. And, then, and then when he got out of college, he's making his own decisions. Right. He's a pro. Right. But I said, until then, somebody, whether it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. is passing judgment on you when you go to class. You know, and that, that's just the way it is. And, and, it's, and you need to embrace it and accept it and understand how it works. 
you know, and it's a shame, but, you know, if, if somebody looks a certain way, people tend to stereotype them. I right. don't care what your right. gender, what your race is. Right. And they don't know how knowledgeable they are. Right. But like I always tell them guys, you know, I, I'm just trying to help you, man. I says, but, but when you get to a position where you're in control, regardless of what your age, you feel comfortable about speaking on something, there's a certain climate you have to be on. And that goes back to what you're talking about. That's the developmental stage of growing up. Right. But to come in here and say, well, I know more than Donald Watts. I know more than Coach Johnson. Really? Right. You're 18? <laughs> right. You're going to tweet this? <laughs> right. Yeah, quick, quick. you know, uh, with, with uh, uh, the Lopez twins. Oh, jeez. Man, I I, um, I think I was playing overseas at the time when they were with you and kind of blew up on the scene. And I was hearing about them, hearing about them, hearing about them. Then I was doing some color commentating. and I think I had your guys' game. And I'm looking at them. I'm when we watching. came back here? Yeah. When they had Brockman and Spencer? Yeah, yeah. And we gave you guys. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go. There we go. There we go. He was waiting on that. Coach reaching. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, but um, I was like, you know, I'm watching them. Like, oh, yeah, they're you know, pretty good or whatever. And I was like, wait a minute. Lopez. Those mm-hmm. are Alex Lopez's brothers. Um, I'm glad. And so Alex Lopez played with me at the University of Washington. Yes, yes. And those kids used to be in the arena, little chubby kids running around. <laughs> like, tearing oh, everything tearing up. Tearing everything <laughs> up. Tearing everything up. Oh. Alex was 6'10". Uh, Alex was 6'10". We competed in AAU. We yeah. played with yeah. each other for a year. He ended up transferring out of the University of Washington. But And he was there when I was being recruited and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remembered those kids when they were little kids. Mm-hmm. And then literally the next time I saw them, I was hearing about them. The next time I saw them, you were coaching them. And, and they were monsters. Yeah. And they, were, <laughs> they were monsters. And it wasn't until like after the game that, you realized. that I realized <laughs> that I rec- I knew those little monsters. They were little oh, monsters. Now they monsters. And they were monsters too. <laughs> little monsters running around heckhead. Heckhead wasn't too full at the time. So wow. we'd be in the game. You see them running around causing havoc. Now they're, they, they're still causing havoc in the oh. NBA now. But that was, that was a, a funny deal for me. That's when I started feeling like I was getting old. Mm. Uh, and that was some years ago. And Coach, see, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, see, this is this is what I like, and it's what we're talking about, like Donald, because he remembers everything, and you can tell his passion in his hearts in basketball and in kids, just because he he was talking about the Sweet Sixteen, and he's talking about a certain play when he was when he was when I was an assistant at Stanford, right? And he were a freshman, and then you're talking about when I was a head coach. See, again, now if the young guys who are listening, you, that just don't happen overnight. You got to be in, totally invested. And and you gotta love the game. You gotta love what you do. And that's that that's so unique. And it's, you brought up Jamal. I've talked to Jamal Crawford maybe four or five times since I've been. And every time I see him, he comes up mm-hmm. and speaks. Right. I say all them guys. And and, I, and and for me, you talk about being proud, being from Washington, being around. But more importantly, being a coach. That a lot of times guys move on, and it's like, oh yeah, that's that old guy over there. You know what I'm right, saying? That, right. That's the part that's unique. And, so you're, you know, it's just, it's just so, it, you know, and I gotta say this too now, so I don't wanna get off track, cause you know, Mitch Johnson, who I had at Stanford, who was unbelievable, he's getting married this weekend. Yeah, Saturday I'm gonna be there, cause he's right. one of my wife's favorites. Right. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's listening, but you know, we almost got Spencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I. For you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I screwed it up. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I probably said. Spencer probably wanted to play the three. Right, right. And I had Brooke and Robin. I said, well, you know, you guys are on three-way rotation. I, and Mitch probably said, Coach, you just tell him he's going to play three with the guy. Just, just tell him. <laughs> you know me. I couldn't tell him. I, I couldn't lie. No, Coach. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I'm sorry. 
the state of the game is always changing and evolving, right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned high schools transferring. Mm-hmm. Now you have college players picking up the same thing, transferring to different schools. You even have record the pros. Record numbers. Record numbers. And now you have pros joining forces. Where is the state of our game in all terms from high school to pros in reference to people joining up and making super teams or just transferring in general because they're not – playing at this school and they feel this school they can play at and compete at a different level what's going on with that well i, I don't know anything about super teams and all that kind of stuff and you know but i i i like to look at it like this those players those kids a lot of people have been blessed and make a lot of money off of their efforts and what they do and the people who are paying them whether it's the pros or whether who are granting those scholarships and i'm sitting here one right now i mean you know, I had a six-year guarantee, and then when I left, you well know how I left. They, you know what? They they bought me out. So why shouldn't a young kid right now? And I used to feel, I used to think different about this. So why shouldn't a young kid have the opportunity if a coach leaves, to have the opportunity to go somewhere else? Because and it's and because it, a lot of times, probably eighty percent of the time, Donald, like in your business, these kids are making the decisions because they invested in you to come be a part of what you do, and a lot more of them should get on board. So a lot of time our kids are making that investment to go play for a certain coach, not that institution. But where is that institution's commitment to to that coach? So we got a commitment to that kid. Right. Mm. You know, they, they, they want us to win right away. Right. Okay, well, it used to be five years, six right. years. So now it's three years, four years you're gone. Well, that kid, recruiting class. And we all know what, again, and I'm not, I'm not saying this school is wrong, that's right, but, you know, that commitment starts at the top. So now you talk about, the NBA, and I, that's not my cup of tea. I never played it. I deserved it, but there's a lot of owners that are making a lot of money. Yep. And Kurt Flood, way back in baseball, talked about free agency. So, and I like what KD said. You know what? He, he wants to be happy. He wants guys to make decisions happy. But what is wrong in, in the sports environment when everybody else in the work environment, you want to get a new job, you want to go work for Micron, you want, they, they, want, they do what they right, do. Right. Yep. So, now I hear you, coach. But the but uh, no, I'm no, sorry, coach. No, 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 I know I, I want to. But the loyalty part, you know. And again, I want to make sure I say this: you you have a responsibility to be loyal to the welfare of your family and to your teammates and to yourself. Right. That's that's where that loyalty right. runs. I mean, your family first. Right. Your family first, and you first. Now. Somewhere along the line, hopefully you've met the right person, the right coach, the right teacher to get you to understand that. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's a delicate dynamic. So. Yeah, it is, it is a very delicate dynamic. And I understand where you're coming from from the coach's standpoint, coaches leaving or being asked mm-hmm. to leave, player being uh, stuck with a university or not stuck. But what I see a lot of, and, and that's a very real, you know, real situation. Well, you know, I was saying college. Now, yeah, no, but I'm go talking ahead. about college. Yeah, but, go ahead. And what, what I see a lot of is guys in college that work their butt off to be recruited, mm-hmm. choose a school. They have never really been coached because of the way the high school tra- – if some, they don't like something, they leave. Yeah, yeah. The AAU coaches. Um, I've spoken to AAU coaches – that would like to have treated athletes a different way, but didn't because they would leave. Mm-hmm. So now they get to college and they really are receiving coaching for the first time. In certain situations. In certain I situations. Agree. Yeah, I agree. And then when they get there, they don't like it. They don't realize that this is what they're signing up for because the game and the way that they get there, it doesn't really prepare them for that. 
See, Donald, you're right. So yeah. now you're coaching them, right? And they think you have a problem with them, yeah. so they're out. Yeah. They go to their next spot, sit a year, they're stuck, and they realize, no, nah, this is coach. Coach Johnson did not like me. Mm-hmm. This is just the way the game goes, <laughs> and I wasn't prepared for it. Well, that goes back to what I talked about earlier. That the, the people who are in those situations, whether it's high school or whatever, those coaches, they got the right interest in heart. But to speaking to what you're talking about is, it goes back to recruitment, and and that's what's really different now is there's so many guys that can play, mm-hmm. and there's 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 that elite thirty or that elite fifteen where you know. So if you're in a position, say we're talking about a head coach, well, you got to identify, you got to identify. Well, okay. I know how I am. I know how the guys who work with me and for me, well, is he going to survive on the coach? Is he going to survive on the coach Romar? Is he going to survive on the coach K? Well, you identify that. Well, then there's a great one or two Well, you got to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. You got to hold them accountable. Well, so, so, so the problem is getting to know, as you know, because of the recruiting restrictions, getting to know guys. Right. That's where it's, you know, for example, in my last year, I mean, you you can go watch a guy play six times a year, and and for me, you know, in the AAU circuit in the summer, that's where you look at him physically against guys, right? But you want for me, I always like to see guys during their school year, so you see them how they're in a team setting, you see them how they're dealing with their counselors, all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, then you only got two times that you can really get out, but you can't get out because you got your own team, right? You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So, so. I just it, – it's, 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 it's a tough dynamic right now, but I think the bottom line, it always goes back to who's in charge, whether it's an athletic director, whether it's the president, whether it's the AAU coach, whether who has the best interest in that kid's heart and hand. But you know yourself, Donald, a lot of guys in our business befriend kids and get close to them. Right. And I, I, I take great pride in, like, my guys didn't want to be around me during the season. Right. Right. I used to always tell my recruiter, say, if I'm doing my job, man, you ain't trying to be up under me. Right. And then when I leave, there's a way of showing grace and that I did something right. How's Miss Jackie doing? I said, like, man, you ain't called to talk to Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> coach is fine. I mean, got them guys, you crazy, you know. You know, right, but, right. but 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 and you know, you've been through it. You can imagine the best guys that made it influence you. They 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 probably was pushing you, and you probably was on your last nerve. Right, couldn't but, stand them. Yeah, but you were, they you, were gone. I'm like, man, where's he at? <laughs> like, up, these dudes are clowns. <laughs> but babe, but he's uh, being he's being nice because he was one of them that you told him to do something once. I guess tell by the way he played. That was it. Mm. That was it. I, so go ahead. Go I, ahead. I have a question for you. I've always. The, the the changing landscape of of college basketball yes. with the one and duns yeah. uh, for a coach, I feel like you have a decision to make mm-hmm. on the recruiting process. You go get a guy that is super talented, right? That you know is going to leave. And I think one of the things that 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 you know kind of bit Romar when he was here is he had guys that were tweeners that weren't guys that you knew that were going to leave. And all of a sudden, they surprise and they're gone. It puts you behind the ball as far as the recruiting process and stuff like that. But for a coach, it seems like the better situations to be in are at mid-majors where you're going to have your guys. You get guys that are coming and, you know, everybody goes to college wanting to play in the NBA. But guys that know that they're going to be college basketball players for a little while and they're to learn as opposed to some of the high majors where you're getting guys that, are there really to get out as fast as they can, 
especially if they don't really truly have that ability. What is it? 80 plus Damn early man. entries in the yeah. in the college draft and like 30 of them are taken and you know something like half of those guys in the first round or something like that. Yeah. Well, before we get to the one and done, I want to I want to talk about what you brought up. It talks about it. It speaks volumes. You have to have a commitment from the top of it. Like mid-major, you know, winning creates a monster. Right. But when you have that down year or two or three or four, you know, and it's new it's new administration, are they going to be willing to be committed to you? And and here's a great example. And you, know, I want to speak to uh, Lorenzo's situation. And this is how the times have changed: social media and Twitter. Uh, everybody needs to Google what Coach Mark Hoshman's one-loss record was when he left Washington State and he got the Washington job. It was unbelievable. Right, we'll do that. I'll do that. We'll Google uh, that. <laughs> but 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 it was unbelievable. Right. It was unbelievable. But so so where's Coach Trent going with this? Well, so in social media and Twitter, it takes one person to start a rumor, and then it sort of flies. Right. And it takes one of our, your prominent donors or whoever to take it and go. So that's that's a problem in itself, whether you're at a place where you can get a bunch of one and dones or not, but it speaks to a commitment long term to understand what your coach is like. And and again, you know, everybody talks about well, you can be here too long and all that. I get all that. But where's your commitment? Where is your commitment? And so for example, they always talk about the student athlete. Well, social media, Twitter, the media, when you start tweeting or reporting that a coach is in on the hot seat in January or February, and then you start associating a name from this institution that he's leaving to come here, and they want to get rid of. Him. Who's that affecting? That's affecting that student athlete. Yeah, that's affecting that, and no kid needs to be put through that. I mean, we're at a point right now. We're firing coaches during the season. Right. And you know, and 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 John Cal spoke out, and and Cal doesn't get enough credit for what he's done from the standpoint of of. Uh, Challenging those guys and making them play hard, right? Hard all the time, and then obviously we have Coach K. But but when you start, and again, those people who are making those decisions, we all know who they are. Whether it's AD, the president, so now you're firing coaches in the middle of the year. Don't talk about the student athlete. Don't because that's who it affects. Now that mom and dad, you know, they got to go through all that. You know what? And then now they come into the. Co- but think about now, what about that coach? You know what? I was in a situation where I was blindsided, but I. At the end of the day, my third year, which we were decent, I went in and talked to my bosses and said, hey, we okay here because, you know what, I had a sixth year. And then the next year, which is when we come over, we had a bunch of people hurt. But then, right. then, 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 then in Sunday, you know, after the Big 12, uh, you know, I'm gone. And, and for me, I was like, wow. If, if they would have just made that decision and told me going into that year, then I would have been able to go. So, But more importantly, my kids wouldn't have had to been put through that at three at the tail end of it. And see, that's what to me is really wrong. You're in a position, as, a, as whether you're the president, the AD, whatever, where you got money, you got power. Have the courage, the responsibility to come up like, Donald, this is not working. Right. At the year. And and then if it's not, then move on. Because the only people who sacrifice who, or put in where they, where they struggle is that 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. Right. See, that's the dynamic to me. And then, again, then you start talking about interviewing them and, and criti- criticizing them. And there's there's two facets in this. I want to talk about this real quick in basketball. It's just like after a game. He's an 18, 19 guy that's made a bad play and he's lost and he's hurt. And you know yourself, Donald's been his whole life. Mm-hmm. 
he's emotional. And they're gonna put a microphone in front of him and ask him about a call. Right. And I and I and I, and I had a situation where I, we got beat by Ole Miss and it was LSU, and I and I took the microphone and said, "Hey, look, you want to know about the call? You go ask them guys in that locker room, or you go ask me because we're grown." Mm-hmm. And you know how it is with the officials, you can't touch them. Right. And then so afterwards, you know, I was about to get reprimanded. And at that time, that was on the back end of Urban Meyer at Florida when he got fined for 30 grand. And I just looked at it, I told my, I told him, I told my I said, hey, look, Joe, you know what, I'll fight that. But then Jackie Johnson don't have Urban Meyer's wife's money. But I says, I was sticking up for an 18, 19 year old kid who everybody in that room as a media representative watched the game and knew what kind of call it was. But so why are you going to pray off on an emotional young man? You know, trying to get a story. Yeah, and yeah, see, but, but in a bad position. But, but see, for me, those are kind of things that we need to reevaluate when you start all of it, because it all leads up to one and done. It all leads up to the frustration of at times of guys wanting to get out. It all leads up to the frustration of commitment. And, and again, and I want to get back to done. I'm sorry. It's just like for example, you know, I, I, we were talking at the board meetings at NBC about three or four years. It had to do with officiating, and and. You know, this is how this is this. You talk about the state of the game and things that are worrying me. Well, when you got parents or donors who are upset because an official didn't make the right call in a regional game like in Kentucky, mm-hmm. I don't want to bring John Higgins, and then they start talking about death threats. Right. See this. This see this. This is stuff that's just right. Well, this? even 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 I remember when uh, Andrew Wiggins yes uh, was you know picked picked Kansas yep. as a school. And then, I mean, this kid's 18 years old. 18. And people, I hope you break your knee. I hope, you know, like. Descending. And that's, that's that like, that kind of. Well, see, <laughs> and that's. Ill. That see, kind of, that kind of stuff. Media, and we and, and about through that. sports. And something, like, when we, we and I, I talk about this with our, with our basketball academy. I talk about this with our parents um, and the people we're involved with. But a lot of times through sports, people get the wrong idea. With rivalries and, and different stuff, and, and even with kids, it can build confidence and all that stuff. But it also can crush people, oh. and also people get out of hand and out of tune with the reality of the situation. Just a, an example: I'm at the 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 Wazoo at the Apple Cup, um, and and I'm a I'm in we're at, in Pullman, and I'm in the club seats or whatever, and I go to use the restroom, and there's a line of guys, and I'm walking out. This older gentleman, white guy, probably about. 55 years old. Easy. He looks at me. He says, uh, look, there's a Husky. We should kick his ass. And I look back at him. I said, you should try to, <laughs> but make sure they're here to help you. Mm. You know, and, and he was surprised by my response. But under no other circumstance would he have suggested to fight me. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't take it as a joke. Took that serious, right? I, like, you don't know this man, right? I didn't. I mean, I didn't take it as a joke, and because we're at a sporting event and we're spectators, and I have on purple and you have on crimson, does not give you a right to threaten to jump me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And but they, but people don't see it. Oh, you know, it's just what you do. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not what you do. And there's a the the social. You know, these kids make decisions. The schools that they let down, people go nuts. They go crazy, and that's mm-hmm. the part of the social media that I. Ooh, I can't. I, well, it's good and bad. Me. Well, well but, yeah, but see, what you're saying, <laughs> though, when you talked about earlier, you asked me about the, the, the input, the, the role the parents have. Well, the role the parents have is is exactly what you're saying, is to educate them on how this, how disruptive this can be. Right. And get them prepared for what, if, if he or she is, is good, you know what? They got to get prepared for that. But here's the other flip side of that. 
Then, in a lot of cases, and, and again, Chris, you're, you're going to grow in your business. A lot of reporters, you know, so where do they go? Well, he's an introvert or she's an introvert. Well, where he or she doesn't, doesn't, doesn't like, like, like Tim Duncan. Right. You know what? And, and I was one of them. But, but I used to always tell guys, no, I was raised like this. I've always been private by nature. Right. But, but I worry right now. I have three granddaughters, and, and, and luckily my son and my daughter, their growth as athletes, my daughter went to Arizona State track and field. They, their growth, they never saw their dad because you know, my client was really good until I went to teach, and then they were grown. Mm-hmm. So they were able to deal with it. But I, I really struggle now in this day and age with parents. I, I pray for them and mm-hmm. their kids growing up. Because those kids, you look at it, they don't really have an opportunity unless they're around the right people. Right. The right per- they don't have an t- opportunity to enjoy it because they're getting anointed at 18. Here's a great example. Devers, the baseball player for the Boston Red Sox. My kid's 20 years old. And he can play, but every time he hits on, well, he's last Boston player to do this was Tony Canigliaro, uh Ken Griffin. I mean, Lito's comparisons are long. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let this young guy just play can he baseball. Can he play? Oh, Aaron, Aaron Judge. I mean, right. my goodness. Right. Did you did you guys uh, did you see his interview? He had an interview. I got. I, I, he had an interview before the All Star game, and it was beautiful. And they were asking him because Aaron played baseball and football in high school. Don't be fidgeting back here. And, and they asked him, they asked him, why'd you choose baseball? And he goes, well, three times out of 10, if I'm successful in baseball, I'm pretty good. Basketball from three out of 10 from the free throw line or three out of 10 from the field, that's not a good deal. <laughs> right. And he says, if I get the ball thrown to me three times out of 10 in football, and that's not good if I don't catch it. And he talked about quarterback. I thought his analogy, because he's, he, 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 hopefully he can stay grounded in New York. Right. But I thought his analogy was really, really observant. He says, so it was an easy decision for me. <laughs> but, you know, obviously you look at his background, he's got foster parents and all that. But somewhere along the line, when, when he left their house and went out, he had to make decisions on what he was going to do. And, he, and, that, and he chose to, and you know, you've heard coaches say this. I'm a big believer. I said, look, don't be telling me that I did a good job. Because right. you the one chose to listen. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's so true. Right. You know, if you, you can listen. Like, like my mom did a good job raising us, but boy, oh boy, when I left here and went to Boise State, there's a lot of times I was like, oh, boy, I got to make a decision. You know what? And that's, the, that's what happens. But, so, but I go back to what you said, Donald, and I agree with you 100%, but that's what's going on right now where the parents have to really trust who they're leaving their children's hands in. Well, I had a rule when I was playing and it was newspaper articles, media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was always, uh, I was always cordial. Like I, I enjoyed the intention, right? I liked it, but I had a rule. I never read what they wrote, good, bad, or indifferent during the season or a part of the process. And, and I, because I felt like if they wrote something good and I believed it, they're not in the locker room with us. Then when they wrote something bad, I would have to believe. Like, and so you're giving other people power. In other over, words, over what, over, over to feel about how you should feel about yourself. You're not as good as they say you are. You're not as bad as they say right, you are. Right, right. And, and 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 what I learned from the pros that I was up, you know, got to come up around from my father, the guys I had access to, was when I walked off the practice court, when I walked off the workout, when I to have an idea about how I felt about what I did. And who to accept feedback from? Who who was important to accept feedback from? 
And in today's time and era where it's not even, you know, the newspaper was a day later or whatever, I go watch kids play that I work with or that I like to work with or I see a kid who's like, man, you got an opportunity to play at the next level if you do X, Y, and Z. Your mm-hmm. your your other nephew is 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 one of these guys and and before they can get off the field, somebody's tweeting tagging them in a tweet about well, how they dominated. You said you're talking about Tyler? Yeah. Well, he better try and run a, under a 540 mile. Go ahead. <laughs> he, better be in shape. he better be in shape before he goes back. Well, go ahead. That's the first that thing I had him do. That was a, a secret coaching. That's the first uh, thing I had him do. But anyway. But, it's out there now. <laughs> nah, but what, what happened um, would be that before they get off the court, somebody's in the stands that might know something and might not. Is talking about how they dominated a game, and as a basketball, and I'll put expert, but a guy who's been around the game my whole life, played against some of the greatest players that ever played, you know, worked out with Kobe, Magic. Like, I've had access to unbelievable guys. You know, downtown Freddie Brown coached me as a kid. So I know a little bit about the game. I'm looking at the kid like, okay, man, if he can do this, he can do this, he would have a chance. But I'm not going to tweet that. Mm-hmm. But somebody else is tweeting, oh, he dominated, and they're retweeting it. Mm-hmm. And so now they feel a certain way about what they're doing. They feel accomplished, and they're not really accomplished. We, you know, we talked about Tyler. Tyler played for the top AAU programs. He did this. He did it. Uncle Cedric was trying to get him to understand that he had to run, run stairs, do all the things. Tyler wasn't trying to hear none of that because he was going to tournaments. He was winning tournaments. He was playing on the top AAU program in the, in the town. Uh, went to one or two of my workouts, was not, didn't like it, you know, whatever. Called me a couple years later and was like, yo, I want you to teach me how to dribble and shoot. First thing I told him, I said, you don't want me to do that. You want to be a college basketball player. You want to be a Division One college basketball player. I'll teach you how to do it. Like, duh. Well, <laughs> that's not the same thing as learning how to dribble and shoot. You mm-hmm. got to learn how to work. Mm-hmm. And then we sat down and learned how to work. He heard the same thing that Uncle Cedric was telling him. Look, first, first thing you got to do is you got to go run a mile. Tyler ran a 750 mile. (laughs) And I told him there's nothing I can do. There's you can't there's no dribbling, there's no shooting, there's nothing that you can do with 750 that's gonna impress a college coach in the fourth quarter. Coach, what do your big men run? In the last in the mile? Well, we in the last game of a tournament. Well, no, no, no. You are good. No, no. no, well the guys, whether we were quarters or semesters, we were quarters at Stanford. And uh, when I was an assistant in Montgomery, and quarters, you start just like Washington started like middle of September. And you used to always, you know, and that's how everything was so specialized. You, your strength coach would get them a workout, but they'd have to come back, and the bigs would have to run under six minutes, and the wings, which are threes, and you know they six 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 five. Those guys would have to be like five five forty, and everybody else would have to be under five fifteen. Mm. And uh, you know, and and uh, one of my memory just like yesterday was Mark Matson, which just came back off a Mormon mission and hadn't done anything. He, you know, he'd been two weeks, he'd been two weeks back in the States. Horrible shape. He ran like a 6.15. We used to run every week. The next next week we ran it, he ran like a 5.50, just gutted himself through the line. But, and this is going off on something different, but it's the same, you know, kids, is. I've always been amazed, and I think this this era started after your generation, Donald. Is there? Then how can he be not be in shape? Right. <laughs> I mean, this blows me away. I mean, 
I mean, how can you not be? I mean, and I, I used to always tell them, and this is, we're going back to Twitter and all this. I said, what do you guys do, man? Right. You, I mean, you want to be good. Well, you know what? It, it was uh, those games on TV, whatever. But I used to always tell them, how can you not be in shape? Yeah, and then, then, then they look at an old guy like me. And oh, I, 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 I was right when I was 42 and all that. I said, <laughs> Coach, I said, man, I, it's, it's, it's everything to me. And here's, here's something that I think you would really appreciate because I was very fortunate to be around the late coach Bill Walsh, and think about this magnitude. He said one day he came to my office, and he used to come by once or twice a month, and I was like, oh, my God. That was just, that was just heaven to me. Right. And he would call me Coach Johnson. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but he said this one time. He says, you know, Coach, think about this. This is Coach Walsh's exact words. If you're, I should tell my teams, this is Coach Bill Walsh, if you're not getting better, you're either stupid or you don't care. And I just sit there and like, now who's he talking to? <laughs> Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, these guys. No, this is right. all. This is no exaggeration. So I leave Stanford. I get, I get the LSU job. My first team meeting. I got Marcus Thornton, Garrett Temple, and all those guys. And they had just won 13 games the year before. Taz Mitchell was hurt. So you know, and you know me. I'm just. I said, guys, you know, you know, Coach Bill Walsh is. And Marcus Thornton, who's an unbelievable guy, he's sitting back with that bad body language. I learned a lot about this. And he said, this is what he said. He said, if you're not getting better, you stupid don't care. And then there was a silence for like 10 seconds. And Marcus goes, yeah, Coach, but you ain't Bill Walsh. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I I said? But that's, number one, that's courage, but that's putting yourself out there. But when we walked out of the team meeting, I told Brent Scott, you remember Brent, my sister, and Donnie Gernon? I said, we're going to be all right. Right, right. We were all right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but think about that, the magnitude of that. And it's, there's no gray because, you know, I always tell I would tell my guys, teams, you're not stupid, but there's there's no gray area if you want to be better. Right. You do whatever. Right. You do whatever within the confines. So, and so the guys that I grew up on, when you come when you talk about conditioning, the guy like the the things that 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 we learned about the guys that were great, Jerry Rice was his workout regimen. Michael Jordan was his workout regimen. Guy like Dennis Rodman, who survived on just outworking people. Uh, Walter Payton, workout regimen. It, it wasn't snippets. It wasn't highlights. It wasn't like the things that they talked about when they talked about our heroes were work ethic, dedication, commitment, beyond. Like it, Michael Jordan's practice intensity was legendary. Now that's not what we sell to the kids that want to be that next generation. And at the end of the day, and this is where, this is where, like, I want kids and I want parents to understand. At the end of the day, when you look on Twitter or you look on Instagram and you see some crossover move or whatever, like, take Allen Iverson, famous for, Allen Iverson ran a 440 mile. Nobody knows that. People don't know that. Guy who I, we lost to, Richard Hamilton in Connecticut, he ran a 440 mile. And I got tied up with him at, at half court in the game. I'm I'm bigger than him. I've seen him on TV. He's the Big East player of the year. And I look at him. I just competitive drive. We're behind the play. You know, little skinny dude. Boop. I rocked him. He's supposed to be 6'6". We're eye to eye. But you're not 6'6". Hmm. Weigh about 165 pounds. What, you don't want nothing with me. So I gave him one right in his chest. And he looked at me. He's like, And then he didn't fight back. And I was like, oh, he's a punk too. Hmm. But what I didn't. What I understood from that game, from that moment, 
and I watched him his whole career go through the same thing I tried to put him through, he's not going to get in a fist fight with me. He's not going to get in a physical battle with me. I want to get in a physical battle. He's going to take me through a track meet. We're going to run, 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 run. He's going to run me off screens. I was with him the whole time in the first half. The second half, I was on the opposite side of the court. <laughs> he was standing in the corner by himself. And it's understanding what your battles are. But at the end of the day, that conditioning level. And that's the same. The first conversation I had with Ty. And any kid, if you want to do something about this, you separate yourself with what you do on a daily basis. Well, as far as conditioning, strength, but most of all in basketball, you got to get those lungs and legs right. Yes. Well, and, you know, and there's got to be some enjoyment in the work. And I, I think. You got to love it. Well, you know, and Donald, you've been blessed because of the exposure you had to 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 players in the game. And, and I always try to get young people and their parents to understand, you know, obviously because one of it was an eye-opening experience for me is when I went to Boise State and then I coached a sophomore B team when that's my first high school job. And I got an appreciation of kids being not like me or being deficient in the sport. So I use the words, kids' parents have to know who they are, have to be secure, not insecure, and in what they're about. The sooner the better. You know, but too many times, they look at the, what's on TV, and that's what they want to be. And, you know, you can say what you want, but the gen genetic piece doesn't add up. The, ex <laughs> the, the, ex the experience piece doesn't add up. So that's when you get caught up in, oh, you know what, it's okay, Johnny. It's okay, Susan. You're working your tail off, and you're having fun. But Enjoy it. Yeah, and enjoy it. But, you know, so you can talk about a lot of things, but that old – layman's term, what you put in is what you get out of it. Yeah, but you have to have a peace of mind that, you know, uh, you work your tail off, you play every day, you compete every day, and you go to college, you may not be going to have to play pro. Right. That's, that's it. And and I, I, I like to use examples with my own two kids because uh, this is something that's really important. If All the things we talked about is, you know, and we brought up Tyler and certain people, but a lot of kids – don't really know what it's like to compete. Now, my son Terry, genetically, he's built like his dad. He, he walked in and you go, my God, who's that? You know, and he's been exposed to every level of it. And you know what? And, you know, he, he would bring it in layman's terms, effort and all that. He'd bring it three days a week. Three days a week. <laughs> and I don't want to use, you know, we'd use words like soft and all that. But I would say he's aggressive. But I was, and his mom would always go, well, why don't you talk to him? I said, because nah. I never coached. I said, no. Nah. If he wants help, he would come to me, but he's got to want. Now his sister, long, long jumper nationally, Arizona State, triple jump, ruptured patellatin her freshman year, uh, and one knee came back, qualified national after redshirt, and then another knee. She, and this is, you know, this is what I always say, she really knew what it was like to compete. And there's a feeling, it's like when she was through, she was exhausted. And then, see, that's a feeling in sports, and you, we can all sit up here and say, maybe 15% of whatever level it is, find out what's that like. You know, like, like and, it, and it's amazing because when guys get done, you know, like everybody talks about, and being around, I don't want to bring up the names or get into it, but like being around Shaq and Kobe. Everybody said, well, what happened? Well, Shaq's is lovable and is easy. Kobe is every, every it's, it's, life, it's life for <laughs> it's death. <laughs> it's life for death. But, but don't, 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 don't criticize Shaquille O'Neal for who he is because the one thing he did, he had fun. 
See, those are the kind of things in my and anyone. In, yeah, and in my position, that's the things I look at. Is you know what when we were talking about young kids, forget the pros and forget college if you're young. You know what? How hard are you really going to work? I mean, you got to feel like what that's like, right? You know, and how much do you love it? And how yeah, hard are you really but work for being, and that's 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 you know, I, I if, you know, and I've always said this. You know, when you walk away from anything, whether you're a coach, or a player, and people. Like Donald, you were talking about it, and Chris, you brought the comment up. You're never as good as you think you're never as bad as you are. No, but if, if wh- what do you want to be remembered as? And it's so funny for me. Work hard. He was competitive. That's, that stuff stands out. Mm-hmm. And now, if now, and, and if you're a kid, you know, Donald, Donald you might have shared this with some of your players or whatever. But if you're a kid, if if you have the word associated with you like lack of effort or soft or not aggressive or doesn't try all those words, it's your responsibility to get that tag off. Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility to get that tag off because no no coach can do that. Mm-hmm. We all, you know, we talk about that. You know, you won't wind guys up. You want a guy that you don't have to wind up. But those are tags. I say, look, that's not on me. Now, if if you're in a position in a game where you, you're a really good shooter, I'm not getting your shot, that's less on me. But if there's a tag that says you're not aggressive, you're not this, you're lazy, you got to get that tag off. But I used to always love it. And then here's the fine line. You know, from a coaching perspective, teams people would say, hey, you, you, your, your teams play really, really hard. That's a good thing. But also that's like saying they're not really good. Right. Now, right. now here's another thing. But, but when people come up to you and say, well, you heard, you know this. They say, well, hey, you, your team can play very good. That means when they say you can play, that means they can play fast, slow, fundamentally sound. Make decisions. Make decisions. You know, or or you hear people say like certain teams like, well, you know, they're 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 skilled or they're athletic, but the bottom line as a team and as a player, you want somebody to say, here's a great example. What they say about LeBron, he can play. Right. What they say about Michael, he can play. He can go right out of line. Steph, he can play. You know, so but that so for as a young kid, once you get past the developmental stage and you get to where you you want you want to, well, because we. As coaches, as fans, everybody, we're all, we scrutinize the living tarnation out of young people. But you don't never want to have well, lack of effort. Man, lack of effort. You know what? So let's get to the. Well, shoot. Thank you, the, Coach. That's great stuff. Man. Let's get to the NCAA stuff. Oh, um, do we have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. Come on. And, 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 we, and we've touched on it a little bit. Um, there's been a lot of debate about whether college athletes should get paid, mm. um, okay. how they should get paid. Oh. My opinion of the top, I, in the discussion, I, they should have comforts. And they shouldn't be treated the exact same. Like, I think I think the, the notion that oh, you're a student, like just purely a student, and you can't have anything that a student doesn't, well, you can't have a job, So, and students can have jobs. So there has to be some way, but actually giving them a check, I don't think does anything for their lives. What well, do you think about this situation well, and, and where the NCAA should go with it? Having been on the NABC board and been a part of these conversations, it's a different dynamic. Now what board is that for our listeners? International Association of Basketball Coaches. Okay. You're selected by your peers. It's, 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 it's unique, and it's passed through the years where you've had – some prominent guys, and they got to have a couple of slugs and grinders like myself. But anyway, <laughs> but I, I want to. These are the things that that because you're talking about teams, and the, the concerns are 
and it, it is what it is, the marquee player, like Donald, for example, when you were in college, you probably should be getting paid. You probably should be getting paid more than your teammates because you were one of the best players, if not the best player two, three out of those four years. Right. So that's what everybody talks about. Now, stipends and the people who are making these decisions, that's the, it is what it is. It's the elephant in the room nobody wants to talk, but they want control over everything. Mm-hmm. And now you got kids who are educated and smart, and they're like, what the heck with this? And this this was talked about years ago with Coach K because he said it's going to be a guy from Duke or a guy. These kids have come out, they said, the heck with this, the, the football player at Northwestern. Well, again, I'm just sharing thoughts because uh, one of the suggestions I made along with a guy like Brad Stevens on the board, and I brought this up to you, Donald, is – the University of Washington, they recruited you when you look at how many times they probably came and watched you play, uh, how, what the flights cost, what they brought you in. It probably was in access probably, I don't know, just for you might have been 10000 mm-hmm. So you, you look at maybe five or six guys, that's a lot of money. But I've always said this, as much money as the NCAA, I don't have the faxes, but I got to believe as much money as the NCAA makes, the marketing, the exposure to you have. If you are a scholarship athlete, think about this. A scholarship athlete, number one, you should be able to eat somewhere, training table, whatever, three to four days a day, not have to worry about it. Three or four times a day. Yeah, yeah not not even worry about it. Right. Not even, you know, I know when I was going to school, if I wasn't for my wife, it was probably, and you know how that still works if you're out of season. You know what, it's changed now, but that shouldn't even, I'm not talking about a football, I'm saying if you're a scholarship athlete, number one. Number two, if you're a scholarship athlete, and I don't know the numbers on this, in the sport of basketball, you play 30 games. How come the NCAA, I'm not talking about your institution, how come they can't pay for your parents to come see you play on a road game five times a year or six times a year? We all know what happened at Louisville. And here's the deal, when he broke his leg, his parents went there. You know, I forget the kid's name. But then all of a sudden, it happened with a football player, and the football guy said, oh, we ain't having this. So now, you know, in those postseason bowls, they can play for parents. But I'm talking about throughout the year. And then, I don't know, stipend. <laughs> I don't know what the numbers are, but if you're a scholarship athlete, how come there can't be some type of stipend spread out? I don't know what the money is, but I do know this. I know what they pay coaches. I know what those bowl revenue is. Mm-hmm. And here's more importantly, I know, and again, I know when there's bowl games and you're at the University of Washington, I know how many donors and boosters and people uproot and go mm-hmm. to watch who play. So, so, but, and then if we can get there, then I think that may ease the burden. But, I, but I agree with you a little bit. I mean, not agree. With you, I agree with you a lot in terms of you can't give these guys money because, you know, we had a situation in TCU and we have money. I have one guy and I bring his name, but everybody else, as soon as they got their money, go to check. What they go do? Go buy some more Jordans. Yeah, that's it. And I ain't got nothing to eat. Well, you know what? You got three hundred dollars shoes on your feet, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> and see, then you then here's a rare to and, me. And so and we we had this conversation privately, but my thing is when you get, like it, the amount of money that you would give a student athlete is not a life changing amount of money. No. And a lot of these student athletes are coming in, and the first thing that they're gonna do with the money is go get some fashion. They're gonna go get some shoes. Yeah. They're gonna get some clothes. And if, if if you give, and even when I was a student athlete, you give me an extra five or six or seven thousand dollars a year, and all it's going to go towards, well, is, is some Jordan, some you yeah. know whatever, and it's it's, it's not going to change 
the things that need to be ch that changed for their life. They're not going to go invest. In well, and the in the percentage of guys, this is the old elephant in the room. People don't want to talk about. They think the percentage of guys who quote unquote come from single parents that come from nothing, they don't have. Well, those guys who would play at that elite level, when they play in the AU teams, they they have stuff. But I think you have to put them in a situation where you monitor it, but also that they have a they have an emergency fund, you know, for if, if people can fly and all that. But I just think if they want to ease the burden, and again, I'm speaking not prematurely. I'm speaking the thoughts that have been shared. But I I just I, when I look at the the money that's being made off of bowl games. I mean, and I look at how many kids are on scholarship. Right. And then I look at a kid like I had last year. I want to bring him up. And I don't want to get off a tangent here. Like Kenrich Williams. His stipend check and what he was getting, training table, which has affected my first year at TCU there, where he eat three meals a day. So we get a call in like in, uh, from, the, from uh, the finance department where one of your athletes hasn't picked up his scholarship. I mean, hasn't picked up his check. And I don't want to think it was the numbers, but it had been up there for four months. And this is Kimmerich Williams. You, right. You, you can play. You know what I'm talking about. Well, and it was him. And he says, I said, Kimmerich, would you go put your money up? He said, Coach, I get to eat. I got my I got my financial aid coming in. I'm good. That, but that's rare. <laughs> right. And, but, but, but his scholarship check, and he was staying on campus. Right. And see, but his scholarship check may have been, I can't remember what the number is, a private school, I'm not supposed to bring, but it was like 1500 Right, right. So it was a lot of money. But he stayed on campus. But speaking to Donald, where I'm going with it, why you have to control it? Because, number one, you start giving him money, no, I'm going to live off campus. Mm. I'm going I'm, I'm to get a car. And then, then so now, now they lose their whole focus on what they're there for. So now you're off campus. And this is where coaches want to control him. Right. You're off campus. He wants to, he wants to be, grow up so fast. He starts being late for practice. He got this money, all that kind of stuff. And I used to make rules. I, I always said, well, you're a freshman. You're a freshman. You're on campus. I, I said that in the home recruiting. I don't care where you are. I don't care how good you are. And then I said, you want to get, like, study table? That old, you heard it, like 2.5. I said, no, nah, man. You, you, you want to get off study table? It's called three point because your old coach, he was dumb as a brick, and he had a two point seven out of college. <laughs> so I mean, I went to boy. No, but 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 it goes back to what I'm saying, Donald. Cedric back here laughing. You know it's true. I'm going back to what I'm saying is that was all based off of what, in my experiences, facts, right, and experience. And it's just like again, and I want to go back, and then I'm I'm gonna get back to you and let you handle. It, is is trust is something that's earned over time. Respect something that's earned over time, and it's really hard for kids now. You know, talking about transferring one, it's really hard. And and it probably is rightfully so for them to trust somebody. Because once you've been burned at the elite level and you grow up and one of your guys is going here, and you don't want to trust somebody. But, but and I can't fault them sometimes with some of the things I've seen and witnessed. And every scenario, every case is different. But I think, again, I go back to this, and I know I'm beating the dead in the horse. The people who are in positions of leadership and power, and I don't care how high you want to go, that's why we're in this position. Think about it, because it trickles down. It trickles down. So, mm. Man, what more do I need to say? <laughs> Man, Coach, we mm. want to thank you for coming out and spending an hour and ten with us today. We really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we close it out? Yeah, I'm not big into this promo stuff, and I'm not big into supporting things other than I really feel strongly about. And uh, obviously people know what the state of Washington is produced in basketball and this and this and that. But this guy to my right, 
he's awful that blame good. And I know for me, and I've only talked to Donald, Donald maybe five or six times in the last two or three years, and every time I see him and I respect him for what I know from a player, I know for me, if I had a son or a daughter, it's good enough for me. I'd make sure they'd be involved in him if I couldn't. So that's all I want to say. Thanks for having yeah. me. Hey, I appreciate it. And we're going to have to get you involved in some of the stuff that we're doing because uh, we're really – Really adamant about teaching parents. Can I say this? What? No, I want to say this right now. <laughs> I ain't getting involved because when I was a junior in high school, his dad was playing. Right? We talked about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You make sure you tell old man. I hope he's listening. And he's days all the pros used to play over at Seattle U. John Briscoe, Spencer Haywood, Buzzstaff. I know we're about to get off air. And his dad was playing. There was two little skinny kids. One was going to be a senior in high school. One was going to be a junior. One was Clint Bridge. Clint got to play. It doesn't. Little, little four-eyed brother. He can't play right now. <laughs> yeah, he has some but you know what? glasses on. <laughs> but but you know what? To this day, I got to play after that because I played hard. But I always remember that. I always remember that. That's why I said I. And and I hope you out there listening, Slick, because if your son came out when you did, he'd be retired right now. I'm leaving that alone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of the Real Spill. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. This was an amazing episode. I think I learned something today. I have to admit that, right? You got a lot to learn, man. I've been telling you every <laughs> I'm only, episode. <laughs> I'm only 25, man. You know, I'm growing in the game. But, again, I want to thank Coach Trent Johnson for taking the time out of his day to come and join the Real Spill podcast. We'll catch you guys next Tuesday. We are out. Out.